Podcast 003, Victory Through the Finished Work of Christ. Revelation 2.17, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. There are carnal Christians, and there are overcomer Christians. This difference does not change the state of a person's salvation. They can be saved by confessing the Lord Jesus Christ and calling upon his name. However, the overcomer Christian goes beyond just the forgiveness of sins and into a life of victory over self, sin, the world, and the devil. All of this was made available to us through the finished, completed work of the Lord Jesus. When we are united together with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, we are set free from self, sin, the world, and the devil. We no longer have to submit ourselves to the power of sin. This does not mean that an overcomer cannot stumble or fail at times. An overcomer, however, has a consistent attitude and a lifestyle of victory over self, sin, the world, and the devil. There were always those who were carnal in the house of faith. I call this the brother of the flesh. There were always also the overcomer brother. This brother is the spiritual brother who has an enduring faith in the Lord. It is also possible to go through seasons in life when a man might be one or the other. If we do not pay attention to our walk with the Lord and instead compromise, we can quickly backslide into a carnal state of living. At that point, the Christian is in danger of losing out on his inheritance and rewards from the Lord. This does not mean that he loses salvation. It means that he is in danger of losing inheritance and rewards. This is much more serious than the average Christian in America comprehends. Here is a scripture which gives some insight on this. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3-8. through 8. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness let it not be once named among you as become of saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be ye not therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Notice here that Paul teaches the Ephesian Christians that they can lose inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. He tells them not to be deceived if they live just like unbelievers. He tells them that God's wrath is coming upon the sons of disobedience because they live as whoremongers, unclean, covetous, and idolaters. Christians cannot live like this if they expect to receive an inheritance in the kingdom from heaven. We are not saved by doing good works, and we are not kept in our salvation by obedience to God's law. Let me add also that we cannot be sanctified or experience spiritual growth by striving to obey God's law. We are not under law, but under grace. What most do not realize, however, is that grace has a much higher standard than the Ten Commandments. Grace holds up perfect love as the standard. By obeying the voice of the Lord in our daily lives, we can walk in His grace. He gives grace to the humble. This grace goes beyond the forgiveness of sins. It actually changes a man from the inside out. The believer is born again in his spirit, and an overcomer continues to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not enough to have once kneeled at an altar or been baptized by a preacher. We must live and abide in the gospel of grace every single day of our lives. Today is the day of salvation, not yesterday and not tomorrow, today. As men who are born again, we have an eternal soul which lives forever in the eternal here and now. In eternity, it is always today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day we abide in the Lord Jesus. Today is the day that we are united together with him in death, burial, and resurrection. 
The believer in Jesus is secure in his salvation, but his rewards and his inheritance are only as secure as his daily obedience to the Spirit of God. We must continue to walk in him, built up in him, and establishing the truth. We cannot turn aside to worldly systems of philosophy and religion and expect to walk in victory. It is the gospel alone which is the power of God unto salvation. By remembering the gospel and by abiding in Christ, we are able to grow in grace and in the knowledge of him. In this way, we will not be ashamed at his appearance, but we will be able to rise and meet him with confidence in our hearts. Amen. Revelation 3.11, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Amen. 1 John 1.9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The finished work of the Lord Jesus provides complete forgiveness of sins. For those who put their faith in the Lord Jesus, they receive forgiveness of sins. We simply go to the Lord in prayer, confess our sins to him, and he promises that he forgives and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Through the entire Bible, we see the Lord is forgiving to those who call upon him. Psalm 103, verse 3, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. The interesting thing in Psalm 103, verse 3, is how forgiveness of sins and healing of the body are tied together. The Lord takes care of our spiritual and physical problems. The Lord does not divide things into spiritual and physical like men do. The Lord deals with the whole and entire man. He solves our spiritual and our physical problems. This gospel of the forgiveness of sins was proclaimed by the apostles in the book of Acts. Here is a sample. Acts chapter 5 verse 31. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Acts 13.38, Be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Acts 26.18, To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. In Acts 5.31 and 13.38, the man spoken of is Jesus Christ. In Acts 26.18, Jesus himself is speaking. Paul quotes in his message what the Lord Jesus said to him directly. This message of forgiveness of sins through faith in Jesus Christ never left Paul's mind. He constantly included this truth in his letters to the churches and in his preaching to the Gentiles. Here are a few samples. Ephesians 1.7 In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Ephesians 4.32 And be ye kind one to another, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Colossians 1.14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Colossians 2.13, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. The forgiveness of sins is what the carnal Christian and the overcomer Christian have in common. However, this is where the carnal Christian settles down. He is satisfied that his sins are forgiven. He is not interested in continuing to know the Lord more and more. As long as he makes it into heaven, he feels that is all that matters. However, the Bible teaches us that Christians have an inheritance and rewards which can be lost or gained according to how we live our life. It is very important to understand that forgiveness of sins is the starting line in the Christian life. Forgiveness of sins continues throughout our life, but there is a much deeper relationship the Lord Jesus has for us. It should not be enough that we just benefit from the Lord, but we also want to press on to know him and have an intimate friendship with him. Those who desire this relationship with the Lord know in their hearts that they must get rid of the sin in their lives. 
It is not enough for the overcomer to have forgiveness, but he must also experience victory over these besetting sins. He desires to be made completely holy, pure, and clean in his practical everyday life. In the following parts of this series, I will take a look at how the overcomer can press on to find victory over self, over sin, over the world, and over the devil. 1 John chapter 2, verse 12, I write you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Amen. In this series so far, we have discussed the two kinds of Christians and also what these two types of Christians have in common. In part one, we discussed between the carnal Christian who is the brother of the flesh and also the spiritual Christian who is an overcomer in Christ Jesus. In part two, we showed that these two brothers both benefit from what Christ Jesus has done in his finished work in his death, burial, and resurrection. They both have called upon the name of Jesus and received forgiveness for their sins. They are secure in Christ as they abide in the gospel each day and are not moved away to some other worldly philosophy or religion. We are secure in Christ Jesus only and only in Christ Jesus are we secure in our salvation. Now we want to press on to know more of what the Lord Jesus did for us in his finished, completed work of death, burial, and resurrection. In this article, I want to look at the overcoming Christian's victory over self. Let us define our terms when we talk about self. Self is the serpent life in all of mankind. This is the principle of sin which mankind became one with when he fell in the Garden of Eden. When man chose not to believe God's word, but instead obeyed the word of the serpent, he was separated from the life of God and became one in principle and nature with the serpent. He became aware of self and began to live according to the principle of self. He became self-sufficient and became a slave to self-provision, self-protection, and self became his prize. His inheritance became self. This is slavery to sin and Satan. Another way to look at defining self is to draw in our mind a picture of some beast-like creature which might appear as a huge gorilla wandering the jungle. This beast beats upon its chest and he says out loud, I am. This is a declaration of independence from God. He says to himself that he is his own master, but he is really deceived. He is not his own master. Sin is his master. Self is his master. The principle and power of sin is his master. Satan is his master. How are we ever able to find freedom from self? It is truly an impossibility for an individual to free himself from his own self. It is impossible for him. But with God, nothing is impossible. Through the crucifixion and death of Christ Jesus, we have a way to escape from self. By faith, we believe when Jesus was crucified and died on Calvary, we were in him. We were crucified and died in him and with him. Through this, we are set free from self. The self-life is destroyed through the crucifixion and death of Jesus Christ. God the Father places us into Christ Jesus, and we are united together with him in his crucifixion and death. In this way, we pass from living for self to living our lives for God. Paul shows us his revelation on this truth in Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is also repeated in Romans chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Paul here uses the word old man to describe the self-life. It is called old man because it is the principle that we lived according to before we were united with Christ Jesus. Now we have become a new man in Christ Jesus, and old things are passed away. See also 2 Corinthians 5.17. Jesus taught his disciples that they must deny themselves and take up their cross if they would be his disciples. He was not just arbitrarily making up rules for people. What he is teaching them is a spiritual law. 
A man is not able to follow Jesus if he is following his self-life. A man cannot follow himself and follow Jesus at the same time. It is frankly impossible to follow the Lord Jesus and one's own self at the same time. Here are some scripture verses where Jesus taught us to deny ourselves. Matthew chapter 10, verses 37 through 39. He that loveth father or more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Matthew 16, 24 and 25. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 35. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the gospels, the same shall save it. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. In Titus chapter 2, verse 12. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Do you remember how God revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush? What was his name? I am that I am. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. God the Father took us out of Adam's line and placed us into Christ Jesus. We were crucified with Christ. We should proclaim this every single day. I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This is the heart of being a Christian. We are one with Christ. His crucifixion, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and are seated together with him even now in the heavens. See also Ephesians chapter 2. As a man believes and he stands on the truth of the finished work of Christ, then the experience of this truth begins in his daily walk. The Holy Spirit gives intuition in how to deny self. Many opportunities arise every single day for him to deny self. When these situations arise, he receives grace and power to deny his own self for the sake of Christ. Worldly philosophies and psychology teach the opposite of the Bible and Jesus. The world teaches people to put much thought and energy into self-image. The world teaches men to love self. Christ always teaches men to deny self and carry the cross. Any philosophy or teaching outside the cross of Christ emphasizes love of self and self-esteem. These teachings have the smell and the essence of the serpent, the father of pride, and the religion of self-exaltation. The path to overcoming self is to look away from self. Do not be bothered by past sin. Look away from self. Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We must discipline ourselves to deny self and love Jesus with all of our energy and might. In summary, self is called the flesh, the carnal man, the old man. Self represents living according to our own understanding. The trademark of self is pride. It is absolutely necessary to deny self to be an overcomer in Christ Jesus. Amen. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead as sin live any longer therein? When talking about sin, we need to understand that this affects every man, woman, and child on this planet. Ever since our first parents fell in the Garden of Eden, the human race has been affected with sin. No one is exempt from the effects of sin. This is why every person born will also one day die. This is the curse of sin upon the human race. 
Sin works in agreement with living for self. When a man is a slave to self, he is in agreement with the principle of sin. Sin is more than just an abstract principle, however. It is more than just a theological idea. It is a definite literal force which makes men into slaves to their fleshly passions, lusts, and desires. This power of sin has a downward pull towards the grave and death. The end result of sin is always death. Romans 6.23 and James chapter 1, verse 15. Sin can be defined in a lot of ways theologically. It is missing the mark and it is breaking God's laws. It is completely mixed in with living for self. In our last article in part three of this Overcomer series, we discussed the path to victory over self. The victory over sin is one in the same way. The best Bible text I have found to address the Christian's victory over sin is found in Romans chapter 6. Here we see that Paul lays out what seems on the surface to be an abstract idea about how the believer died with Christ. However, it is only when the Lord opens our eyes to the reality of this truth that it affects our practical everyday lives. It is when we see the truth in Romans chapter 6 for ourselves that we experience it. The truth is objective. It is true whether or not anyone believes in it. However, when we press in to believe what God's Word says, we can experience the reality of it in our lives. We can enjoy daily freedom for the power of sin and living for self. It is attainable. I am not talking about sinless perfection while we are living in these fallen human bodies. I am talking about a lifestyle of consistent victories on a day-to-day basis. We will never be beyond temptation until we are given our new immortal bodies. However, even now, we can experience victory over sin by faith in the finished, completed work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I suggest we memorize and meditate on Romans chapter 6. At different times in my life, I have memorized this chapter. I have come back to this chapter over and over in my life. It contains bedrock truth for living the Christian life. I also recommend reading the book by David Wilkerson entitled Victory Over Sin and Self. And you can also read books by Watchman Nee, The Normal Christian Life and the Spiritual Man. These books expand upon these truths of the Christian's victory over sin and self. 1 John chapter 5, verses 4-5 through 5. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Previously, I wrote an article about the world system, explaining what it is in the three parts of the world system. I will go back over this same information here in this discussion about overcoming the world system. John exposes the evil spirit of the world in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. These are the three parts of the evil spirit in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The outward machinery of the world system is government, business, and society. The prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17 gives us discernment between this outward machinery and the inner evil spirit of the world system. John 17:15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. One reason Jesus prays we would not be taken out of the outward world system is because we are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. We bring the light of God's kingdom into these areas of government, business, and society. However, Jesus prays that we would be kept from the evil in the world system. This evil is described by John as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. May the Lord give us discernment so that we can avoid this evil in the world system. It does indeed take discernment from the Holy Spirit to see this and to avoid it. How do we overcome the world system? Surprisingly, we overcome the world system by denying self. By denying self, we overcome the world system. There are many applications to what I'm saying here. It helps to look at an example. 
One aspect of the world system is that men build a name for themselves, and to empower their name, they multiply numbers underneath their name. I worked for years in technology, and it is interesting when I think back on my experience in that field, how the Internet and computers are designed around this concept of names and numbers. This is how the Internet actually works through what is called the DNS system. It uses names and numbers. Anyway, that is a rabbit trail I don't want to go down right now. I want to focus instead upon the, what the Bible exposes when it comes to names and numbers. To understand this, we will go all the way back to the Tower of Babel in the book of Genesis. There was a type of the Antichrist then whose name was Nimrod. Some believe this man became more than just human, but became a Nephilim using witchcraft. Whether or not this is true, it is evident from Scripture that he has mentioned the context of men declaring independence from the God of heaven. Read Genesis chapter 11. Men declared that they would build a name for their own self and gather all their numbers under this name. This is the foundation of how the world system works even to this very day. I don't know if I'm intelligent enough to logically explain these concepts to people. It really takes revelation from the Lord to grasp and see the truth. This is the world system. Men create a name for their own self, and then they multiply numbers under their name to create power, position, prestige, provision, and protection. This is, in essence, the worship of self. It is man worshiping man. We see this doctrine of devils trying to creep into the Corinthian church. Paul corrected the early Christians about being followers after men's names. Some say they follow Apollo, some Peter, some Paul, etc. This is the worship of men's names. This is the principle of the world system and the religion of self-exaltation. There will come a man in the future who embodies this principle of self-worship and proclaiming his own name. This will be the Antichrist beast. Jesus told us that this wicked one will come in his own name and the world will accept him. John chapter 5, verse 43, I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. This is another reason why it is so important that Christians deny their self, because this also means we deny our name. Only a man who denies his own name can truly bear the name of Christ. It is my opinion that this is what it means to pray in the name of Jesus Christ. We deny our own name and we bear the name of Jesus of Christ Jesus. When we bear his name, then we ask can we ask the Father and our prayers are heard in heaven. I also see in the encounter between Jesus and the demon-possessed man as another proof of this principle of names and numbers. Um, this story is in Mark chapter 5. When Jesus commanded the demons to tell him its name, they said, Legion, for we are many. What does that mean? Beyond the obvious explanation, I think that Jesus is exposing the evil spirit which controls the world system. Um, this, it, this spirit is based on names and numbers. It is remarkable to me that the book of Revelation so prominently exposes the name and the number of this beast, Antichrist. Re- Revelation thirteen seventeen through 18, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. Six six six. Christians are not part of the world system. We engage the world system through working in government, business, or society, but we are not part of it. When we engage this system, it is only as the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Our provision comes from the Lord. Jesus taught us to pray each day for our daily bread. This is an acknowledgement and a confession from the Christian that provision and protection is from his Father in heaven. It is not from the world system. You may receive a paycheck, but that provision is not from the world. It is from the heavenly, your heavenly Father. 
Never allow yourself to be trapped into any work situation where you have to compromise your faith in Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid to walk away. You will not, you will not be afraid to walk away if you know that your provision comes from your heavenly Father. A good promise for this is Matthew 6.33 and Philippians 4.19 are two promises. We overcome the world through faith in the Son of God. It is through faith in the Lord Jesus that we are united together with him in crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection. It is his death which delivers us from self and sin. It is also what delivers us from the world system because the world system is based on self-provision, self-protection, and self as the prize. The world system teaches men to worship self. It worships the names of men. Unbelievers worship the names of men. Think about this for a while. Where you work has a name. Each employee has a number. And these numbers are brought under the name of that company. Many times the name of the company is the name of a man who started the company. This is how the world operates. Names and numbers. Control, manipulation. Don't be deceived. Flee from the idolatry of the world system. You didn't you do this, you do this by faith in Jesus and your union with him in death. You are now dead to self, dead to sin and to the world system. This world is not your home. You are a citizen of the kingdom from heaven. Amen. Who is the enemy of mankind, and especially the enemy of those who believe and trust in the Lord? He has many names. Here are some of the names which the Bible gives to this enemy. Liar, thief, the wicked, murderer, accuser of the brethren, Satan, devil, Lucifer, serpent, dragon, roaring lion, prince of the world, the power of the air, and appears as an angel of light. I may have missed some, but that is what I can remember off the top of my head. Christians cannot defeat this enemy in our own strength, intellect, reason, logic, or willpower. This enemy will soundly defeat any Christian who relies upon his own self in the battle against sin and temptation. How can we then find victory over this enemy? There is only one way, and that is through simple faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we become united with him in his crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection. How does this help us? The reason it helps us to be united with Christ in his finished, completed work is because through what Christ Jesus did, he defeated Satan. He destroyed the work of Satan. I will provide specific Bible verses which show this as we continue. In the earthly ministry of Jesus, before he went to Calvary, he already was destroying the work of the enemy. Everywhere he went, he cast devils out of people. I use the word devils here and demons interchangeably in this article. He did not tolerate their work in the lives of anyone that he came in contact with. He drove them out with his word of authority and power. However, as Jesus approached the end of his earthly ministry and set his face towards Calvary, he said some things which indicate that there would be a once and for all defeat in the casting out of Satan. Here's what he said, John chapter 12, verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Let me also include this verse in the International Standard Version for our consideration. Now is the time for the judgment of this world to begin. Now will the ruler of this world be thrown out. Who is this ruler of the world that Jesus is talking about here? We can find out because the Lord has Satan confess who he is in Scripture. Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Through this description of the Lord's temptation in the wilderness, we discover that behind all these kingdoms of the world, that Satan is in control. This devil is behind the scenes of every single earthly nation and kingdom on the planet. He is pulling all of the strings. All the presidents, kings, and rulers are puppets in the hands of Satan. 
Along with Satan, he has helpers. There were other angels who fell into sin with Lucifer and who worked with him to control the nations of the world. Paul exposes this for us in Ephesians 6.12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is also revealed for us in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia stood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Daniel 10:20. Then, then said he, Knowest thou whether I, wherefore I come unto thee? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. The words spoken to Daniel here came from the angel whose name um, is Gabriel. He spoke to Daniel and revealed prophecies concerning Israel and the last days. However, for my purpose here, I want to take note that Gabriel describes something that is happening behind the scenes in the spiritual realm. There is a spiritual war taking place. There are angels who serve the Lord God, who fight against the fallen angels, who are called principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness in high places. I understand these powers of darkness do not only affect governments, but they also affect, uh, also control the arenas of business and society. They control and they direct all these aspects of the world system, including government, business, and society. If someone has any doubt here, uh, there is another verse which hammers another nail into the coffin. 1 John 5.19, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. After seeing all of this, let us go back to what Jesus said in John chapter 12. He said, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. What the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished through his death, his burial, and his resurrection completely defeated the authority of Satan on earth. We see this further expounded in the letters of the apostles in Colossians chapter 2, verses 14 through 15, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Also, the following verse shows us that one of the goals and what Jesus came to accomplish was to destroy the work of the devil. 1 John 3, 8, He that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. There's no doubt in my mind the Lord Jesus crushed the head of the serpent. This is what the Lord God prophesied to Adam and Eve back in the Garden of Eden. He promised the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. Genesis 3, 14 and 15, The Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. He shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Paul picks up on this thought in the book of Romans. He writes in Romans sixteen twenty, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Amen. Let us read what Jesus said to his disciples after he gave them authority to cast out devils. Luke chapter 10, verses 18 through 20. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this rejoice, not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So we see here these spirits that he's talking about. He's calling serpents and scorpions. And this particular word here points back to Satan in the Garden of Eden. So this all ties together. The idea of treading the serpent underfoot is echoed also in the book of Psalms, Psalm 91, 13. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. 
adder is another word for snake. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. So this points to Satan. Probably the young lions, I would think, uh, might be pointing towards the Antichrist. But it says that the that you will tread the lion and the adder under feet. You know, and also in First Peter, it refers to the devil as a roaring lion. And also in that uh, account of the prophet who was killed by the lion, we see that Satan was standing with the donkey standing by that prophet. I believe based upon what we see here in Scripture, the overcoming Christian is given authority to put the enemy under his feet. Overcomers are given to eat of the hidden manna, Revelation 2.17. Hidden manna is the authority of God's kingdom, and that authority is power to drive out the devil and trample the enemy under our feet. Of course, the kingdom authority is, is a lot more than just casting out devils. It's more than that, but that is part of it. It is obvious that the enemy still travels to the earth wrecking destruction. We see that in 1 Peter chapter 5. He has a season of time left before the end of all things. This time is getting shorter and shorter. The Lord Jesus will return to this planet soon. He will cast the Antichrist and the false prophet into the lake of fire. A thousand years later, Satan will follow them and, and, is also, and he is also cast into the lake of fire where he is tormented in fire forever and ever. This is the fate of the devil and all those who follow him. Revelation 20.10, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. What is the practical application of this in our lives today? We need every single day to stand upon God's word. We need to stand upon the sacred ground of the finished, completed work of Christ. The Bible tells us in James 4.7, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Paul teaches us in Ephesians chapter 6 to put on the full armor of God in our fight against this enemy. We take our stand upon God's word and God's truth. The Lord Jesus, by his own example, shows us that a man with the word of God in his heart and in his mouth can defeat the enemy. Finally, we have the following promises from God's word. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you but such as common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. And finally, 1 John 4, 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. The Lord bless you, and the Lord keep you, and the Lord make his face shine upon you, and the Lord give you peace. Amen. Podcast 003 Victory Through the Finished Work of Christ.